I, I sense and believe that uh, many of you have been going through and there is there are things that you have been hoping for praying for dreaming for desiring and you have been wondering and God is like taking you out of wonder into manifestation he's he's bringing you into the things that you have been praying and asking God for in other words you know your time has come uh, and this is this is this is like your God time the time of your manifestation that that dream that vision that thing you have been you know watering with prior is about to happen in Jesus name like faith is becoming manifest in Jesus name I know it looked like and uh, like the way it's blocked up. I know it looked like the avenues have closed down. I know it looked like the channels have been blocked up. But God is is opening in your new season. All right. But I also know that when the word of God is spoken, there are a couple of things that I, 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 I see happening. That if uh, someone were to come and add excitement to it, it would generate greater belief. If it were done in a more a charismatic manner, there would be greater excitement because we are drawn by the, you know, how charismatic the thing is than, than its alignment with what God is doing. Secondly, I also know that when God's word is spoken, that sometimes it's one in every three if you go back to the sow and the seed that receives it. And those who receive it are those who apply faith to what has been said. So I'm going to say it again. Because I believe that whatever it is that has been lingering in the spiritual concerning you is about to move from the spiritual and come into the natural. It's about to be manifest in your life. Amen. So take hope and have great joy in the Lord. Why? Because our God is God all by himself and his word never returned to him void it accomplishes that which he has sent it forth for no 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 pastor wh- where does this line up ah, ah. Let, let me give you an example there's a story in genesis chapter 26 of this guy called isaac and isaac was instructed by the lord to live in a particular land and you know there was a, a man called abimelech and he told him that he was his sister but the lord told him to sow in this land and this land was a land that was going through a famine at the time and though he sowed in the famine the scripture said in that same year he reaped a hundredfold in that same season he reaped listen i'm telling you that you are in that season of your life where the seeds that you have sown are becoming manifest. Not only that, there were some wells that were blocked up. And the scripture speaks about how Isaiah would go and dig a well. And as he dug a well and, and it was blocked up, then, then he would go and dig a next one. But everything that he did, the scripture said, and he prospered and he continued to prosper. Amen? It means that everything, though it was the most difficult time, the most difficult condition, God caused things to manifest on his behalf. 
Listen, I believe that, that is a, that's about to happen right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, just lift your hands and say, this is my word and I receive it by faith in the name of Jesus. It means that whatever it is that you have been desiring and you have been asking through prayer that is in alignment with God's word and God's will. You are in your, your birth season. In other words, you're about to give birth. It's about to be manifested in the name of Jesus. No devil, no demon cannot hinder it anymore. And so God, in the name of Jesus, we break the power of everything that would block and stop the manifestation of the promise of God over our lives in this season. It means that our prosperity will come, our protection will come, our healing will come, our deliverance will come, our blessing will come in the name of Jesus. Why do I listen? I'm fully confident, fully confident of this. In fact, one songwriter says he's a way maker, he's a miracle worker. They, and, and then there's a part in that song that says, Even when I don't see it, you are working. And so I, I choose right now, in the name of Jesus, to walk by faith and not by sight. You see, everything that Isaiah saw in Isaiah 26 said, You won't prosper. Your seeds won't grow. It will not come to nothing. Or come to anything. But Isaiah chose to walk by faith. And he acted in faith. He worked in faith. And that which was locked in the spirit. Was opened and became manifest in the flesh. Listen, I want you to just take two minutes right now, right where you are, and begin to worship God for the manifestation of your promise. He inhabits your praises. And I want you to take some time and really give him a, a heartfelt, a, a spirit-led worship. And let that excitement and joy begin to bubble up deep inside of you. That same thing that happened when Elizabeth and Mary came together and something moved in the womb because they, 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 they had the same promise. Our God is a way maker. Listen, just, just continue. I know some of you are going, you're kind of stuck right now because somebody has to make your worship for you. Somebody have to create your worship for you. You can't worship God by yourself. You can't, you can't do it. But, but there are some people who know what I'm talking about. And they know there's a crying out for that manifestation. And they don't need worship singers. They don't need anyone to kind of tell them what to do. They just know how to worship God. Because they have been worshiping their way to their promise. And, and so they are very much accustomed to this. And for you it may be strange. But I... I I dare you to try. I, I dare you to worship God. I, I dare you to praise Him. I, I dare you to, to lift your voice and lift your heart and say, God, my manifestation is coming into season. 
It is a season of my manifestation, God. It is the season of my manifestation, God. is not new. It is something that has been preached forever. In fact, in, in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32, the Good News Bible says it. says this. It is better to be patient than powerful. It is better to win control over yourself than over whole cities. I need to read that again. It is better to be patient than powerful. It is better to win control over yourself than over whole cities. In fact, one of the things that I said about leadership is that the, the largest crowd you will lead is yourself. The first person you need to lead is yourself. You have to lead yourself well before you can lead others. And that begins by winning control over yourself. If you can't control yourself, uh, what sense does it make to want to control others or be in control of others? We develop that by learning to be patient, but too often we desire power more than patience. So by testing our patience, God gives us true patience. Right? True patience. It is easy to appear patient when everything is going your way. People will always say, I am very patient when everything is going your way. But what happens when things aren't going your way? How patient are you? How patient are you when all the odds are stacked up against you? How patient are you when things are not working the way you want it, going the way you want it to? How patient are you? So I'm going to give you four ways to test, test your patience. Because a lot of us will say, well, I know I am patient. I am patient. I am patient, right? In, let me just add this uh, in there. One of the things that have messed up most persons' life, believers, is impatient. In other words, we do things before time. We do things in our time and not in God's time. Have you ever heard somebody say, I got married at the wrong time? I did this at the wrong time? Have you ever heard people say, I did something before the right time? We, we oftentimes have that. One of the biggest ways of missing God's timing in life is operating in impatience. And so if you want to avoid that, then you need to understand patience and how it works and apply it to your life. So here are the tests. Test number one is what I call the interruption test. The first test of patience is interruptions. We have all experienced these. We have all experienced interruptions. You sit down to eat dinner and the phone rings. Or you are in the bathtub and a salesperson or your neighbor comes to the door. Or you are working on a deadline and a visitor arrives. 
our best plans are often interrupted. Interrupted. I've, I've heard recently so many persons who went away to work and they have come back to Jamaica and they had plans to save up money to do all kinds of things. And once they come back, this person died, this person got sick, this, that happened. And all of a sudden, all the money that they were planning to purchase, all the nice things in life, everything got interrupted because there was a death in the family. There was sickness in the family. And, and their money was the available money. Our best plans are often interrupted. In fact, Jesus' disciples were just as human as we are. And they disliked interruptions. Just like most of us. Most of us don't like to, to be interrupted. So the disciples became impatient with people who interrupted Jesus' busy schedule. You can't interrupt the master. Don't interrupt the master. Oh, the master is too busy spiritually. To be interrupted by you. We, we oftentimes as well operate like that. I'm too busy in the spirit to be interrupted by you, Mr. Unspiritual. In fact, do you recall the scene in the Bible where people were bringing children to Jesus to have him bless them? The Bible says in Matthew 19, 13 to 14, that some children, listen to this, some children were brought to Jesus so that he might lay his hands on them and pray. Imagine how important that is. That Jesus, the God of all miracles, is about to pray for people's children. What happened? And the disciples rebuked them. The disciples were saying, listen, Jesus is here hanging out with us, children with us, and you want to bring your children for him to pray for right now? Move from here with that. Don't interrupt the master. We didn't look at children. Go on and you're going to take care of your kids. Kind of a thing. But Jesus said, Let the children alone and do not hinder them from coming to me for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Jesus kind of said, Listen, you're missing the point. This is a worthy interruption because you're coming to me. Listen, you're stopping them but they are going to experience heaven. And I'm not too busy to be interrupted by heaven's call. By a decision for heaven. But interruption, interruptions oftentimes mess up our plans. You see the disciples looked at this event as an interruption. But Jesus looked at, his, at it as an opportunity. It's an opportunity. And sometimes when these things happen in our lives and we feel like we are interrupted... You're, you're hurrying somewhere and someone stops you. And you feel like, I don't have time for that. But if you had stopped to speak to them, it would be an opportunity for salvation. How do you handle interruption? That is the first test of your patience. And too often, we get ticked off by interruptions. And miss the opportunity to lead people to Jesus. The second test is inconveniences. Inconveniences are the second test of your patience. 
you're like me, you don't like inconveniences. We live in a society where we like to be convenient. In fact, we say this, I like to have things for my convenience. So inconveniences are a very difficult thing to handle in life. You see, inconveniences are the second test of your patience. How do you deal with inconveniences in your life? What, what are these? Inconveniences cause delay. And if there's one thing we hate, it's to be delayed. Because we are the now generation. Nobody likes to be delayed any longer. People don't like to delay for relationship. If they talk to you today, relationship have to start tomorrow. Mean, no heap of long thing, let's just get to the point. Everybody wants to get to the point right now. Nobody, nobody wants, um, you know, surface information. Everybody wants, everything must be now. People want to get rich now. People want to get married now and have children now and get degree now and get money now and be billionaire. Everything is about, we, we have that. We have a microwave mentality. We want what we want when we want it. We don't want to wait. And so we wrestle with this. Because we don't want to wait. Everything that seems to be delaying us, we try to destroy it. And sometimes those delays are divine delays. Meaning, I'm going to get back to this in the back end, but God puts things in our way to delay. Why? Let me, let me give you why. God knows that you can't deal with some things now. God is not solely into acquisition. God is not solely into you getting stuff. You see, God did not call you a getter. He called you a steward. And so, more important to God is not getting things to you, is how you steward the things that he gets to you. Amen? Because God did not call you a getter. He called you a steward. So God is more interested in your stewardship than your getting-ship. But most of us are into the getting part, not the stewardship. So if you have a microwave mentality, you're going to want it before you develop the necessary stewardship skills to manage it. Amen? And so... Sometimes God is going to delay the getting because he's working on the stewarding. And we don't like that. So here's what we do. Instead of learning to develop the skills of stewardship, we try to destroy all the delays. And we try to... Have you ever heard about bypass? Bypass is a way of avoiding the legitimate way for a faster way. So we bypass the process to get the thing before time, not realizing that we are not yet able to steward it. And that is why some people abuse children, abuse marriage, and abuse money. Abuse really means abnormal use. You use it in the way it was not intended to be used. Why? Because you got it before you were properly trained how to maintain it. 
Are you hearing me, church? So inconveniences are oftentimes there to help us become better stewards. I'm going to give you a good example of this in scripture. Luke 10 verse 40 tells us about a woman who had trouble being patient in the face of inconvenience. So Jesus went to the home of Mary and Martha. Watch this. Martha was busy preparing a meal for Jesus, for the guests, for Jesus and his guests. But Mary was not helping. So here's what happened. The scripture says, Martha had her hands full of the work of the house. And she came to Jesus and said, Lord, is it nothing to you that my sister has let me do all the work? Remember, Jesus did not give her a job. Jesus did not ask for food. She thought that Jesus needed food. So she took it up on herself to go and cook. Then she can't manage it. When she can't manage it, she got to Jesus and she complained about others. She took up what she could not manage. And instead of putting it down, she went to the Lord and complained about other people and said, listen, make them come help me do it. Have you ever done that? Have you ever taken up something that God did not give you to do? And then pray and ask God to send people to come and help you do it. Right? So to her, say to her that she is to give me some help. So she said to Jesus, Jesus, tell her to come and help me. Part of life sometimes is like this. That we take up things that they are n- we are not supposed to do. Thinking we are doing it for God. And then it gets overwhelming and overbearing. We go back to God and tell him to get people who are busy doing what God wants them to do. To tell God, to tell them to stop doing what he wants them to do. To come join us to do what we want to do. That's what not being able to deal with inconveniences will cause. You see, Martha was upset with her sister because Mary had left her to do all the work. Have you ever felt that way as well? Have you ever felt that the load you were carrying was not fair? There should be others to help. How do you react? Are you patient despite the inconvenience? You see, third thing, the test of your patience is irritations. A few months ago, we spoke about irritations. Penaya think it was. Those little things in life that bug you. And let me give you some, some of them. Slow traffic. Long lines. Flat tires. Hot weather. The list could go on and on and on. Certain things just irritate you. Amen? Some of those, or some of these irritations are controllable, but most of them aren't. So we have to learn to cope. You have to learn to deal with irritation. If you want to be patient. How do you handle them? It takes patience to deal with irritation and irritating people. You don't know this, but the person you think is irritating thinks the same of you. And they are coping with you. So maybe it's just fear that you cope with them. 
You see, you think you're putting up with people, but people are here thinking they're putting up with you. I think it's a fair deal. If I'm putting up with you, not understanding my irritation, put up with me and understand my irritation. So we read about Moses. This is a good one, right? Moses in the book of Numbers, where he became irritated with Israel on one particular occasion. And I know some of us feel it for Moses, right? Moses had put up with their petty complaints and criticism for years. And now he had no patience left. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever run out of patience? Anybody ever run out of patience? Don't say yes. That's not a good thing. You can't run out of patience. Let me just say. Well, you're not supposed to run out of patience. Because patience is a fruit of the spirit. It means that if you're running out of patience, you're running in the flesh. Right? If you run out of patience, you're running in the flesh. Because if you operated in the spirit, you're going to be patient. It's a dangerous thing for a Christian to run out of patience. Most mistakes are made when we run out of patience. Look at Moses. Look at what happened. All right? But Pastor, you know what? Years I have to put up with this. Moses is an example that we need to keep putting up with it. Keep putting up with the people. When God told him what? To speak to the rock to get water. God said, speak to the rock to get water. But here's what happened. Watch Moses. Moses run out of patience now. No. So watch Moses now. So the scripture says, Moses, this is Numbers 20, 10 to 11. Look at it. It says, Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock. And he said to them, listen now, you rebels. In other words, when you run out of patience, you begin to call people names. See all kind of things about them. See why you can't run out of patience? A lot of times the things that we say and the names that we call people is because we run out of patience. So the first, this is the first mistake, you rebels. Moses couldn't deal with it any longer. He started running in the flesh and called the people who before this God just said, my children. The Lord in the previous verse called the people his children. Moses comes here and called them what? Rebels. God said, feed, give my children water. He went to the Lord and said, you're people. But when he's about to speak to the people, no. He calls them rebels. Run out of patience. What is? Shall we, hear what he says? Shall we? Speaking of Moses and Aaron. So he now begins to also take credit for what God told him that God was going to do. Because he ran out of patience. So he says, shall we bring forth water? For you out of this rock. Then Moses lifted up his hand. And struck the rock twice with his rod. God said speak. And he struck the, the rock twice. And water 
came forth abundantly. And the congregation and their beasts drank. So God told Moses to speak to the rock. But instead Moses struck the rock. Watch it. As a result of this one act, God did not allow him to enter the promised land. When you run out of patience, you don't walk into your promise. Here, let me say it again. I want, you to, I want you to remember this. When you begin to run out of patience, you stop walking in the promise of God over your life. Moses lost his patience, and so he lost the promise. He lost the benefit of being in the promised land. As so many of us have been guilty of that. We lost out on some things that God had in store for us. Why? Because we ran out of patience. You see, Moses was usually a patient person. But even patient people sometimes have their limits. You see, for many of us, our greatest irritation in life are people. We run into people who are irritating or get us down somehow. Think they are good for us. It's good to have them around you. Because they're working some maturity in you. Perhaps we need, to, we need to learn the lesson of the oyster. You remember when we did the whole thing with the oyster in church and we said, if you want to know how, what irritations are in the scripture, take a grain of sand, one grain of sand, and put it in your shoe. It's so uncomfortable. Watch this. The oyster, look at how the oyster deals with irritation. The oyster takes an irritation, a grain of sand, and turns it into a pearl. What we need to do? Take the irritations and turn them into pearls. Learning to respond to irritation positively will enable you to transform your irritation into pearls. Come on, just lift your hands with me and declare this. I choose to take the irritating things and transform them into pearls. Even the person that's irritating you, listen, you can be a blessing to them. Our job is not to change people. One of our job is not to let people change us. So, if an irritating person gets you to change how you behave, something is wrong with you more than what is wrong with them. Think about it. Who is worse? The devil or the man who knows the devil is wrong and get the dev- allow the devil to change him. You can't let Bad people change the good in you and make you bad. And then you still say that they are bad. Number four. Four tests of your patience is inactivity. Most of us would rather do anything but wait. We don't like to wait. We hate to wait in the doctor's office. We, we hate to wait at the stoplight. We hate to wait in the line at the supermarket or be confined to bed rest. Listen, I mean, if the doctor were to tell you to stay in bed, we can't do it. 
we often speak of, of patient Job. And Job is an example of a man who could do nothing but wait. I want to listen to what Job said in Job 14, verse 14. I'm, I'm laying a foundation because I'm going to help you to be more patient. Job 14, verse 14. This is such a great scripture to remember. He said, all the days of my struggles, of my struggle, I will wait until my change comes. All the days of my struggles, I will wait until my change comes. Listen, Job was saying, I will wait on the Lord until my change comes. Come on, just lift your hands and, and declare that I will wait on the Lord until my change comes. Job was saying this in the midst of his struggle. He says, in all my struggles, in all the days of my struggles, I will wait until my change comes. I'm not going to allow my struggles to change me. I'm going to wait until my change comes. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm going to wait. You see, we can learn much from Job's example. And there are some things that you just have to wait for. You just have to wait. So how do I become a patient person? First, I want to help you in understanding that what, what causes impatience. What causes impatience is a lack of peace. If you don't have peace, you're going to be very impatient. Because peace is that calm that you have in the midst of life's storm. Peace is what keeps you when you're going through the fire. Peace is what keeps you when you're going through the valley. And so if you don't have peace, then you're going to get impatient. And that is what, right, if you don't think about it, if you have the complete peace of God, you can live life slow. You can live at God's pace. Because you know it's not going to fall apart. You know it's not going to come tumbling over. You know it's going to come to pass. Peace, peace says it's going to happen. Peace says, I, I know God going to work it out. Peace gives you that calm in the midst of the most chaotic situation. And therefore, if you have peace, you, you're going to be patient. Just really, really think about it. If you have the peace of God, really nothing really bothers you. So you're not in a haste. You're not in a hurry. You're, 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 not, you're not, oh, but I don't have this. No, it don't bother me. Because peace gives you contentment. You, you understand me? Peace gives you all of these things that makes you feel okay, regardless of what is going on around me. Peace means that I, I'm not in competition with you. I'm content with me. I, I'm not running in your lane. I'm running my own race. That's peace. So if you want to be patient, then you need some peace. And perhaps that is why uh, God put patience right after peace in the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, before you can even have patience, you're going to have to have peace. I like, listen, this is not by chance how it is in the scripture. You have to start with love. And love is going to give you joy overflowing. And joy in the Lord is going to give you peace. And if you have peace, you're going to be patient. So if you find that you're impatient, it means that you're not living in the peace of God. It also means if you don't have the peace of God in your life, you're going to be a very impatient person. When you have peace in your heart, almost nothing can make you impatient. But when you don't have peace in your heart, almost anything can make you impatient. So how 
Can you learn to be patient? The Bible reveals a four-part answer to that. And the first thing the Bible speaks of is that we need to develop a new perspective. If you want to be patient, you have to get new perspective. Find a new way of looking at the situation or the person that is giving you problems. Look at things differently. Get a new perspective. Get an next vantage point. You see, patience begins by changing the way you view things. You have to change the way you view things. Change the way you look at things. Uh, uh, when I am impatient, it means that I have limited perspective. Why? Because when I am impatient, it means that all I see is myself, my needs, my desires, my goals, my wants, my schedule, and how people are messing up my life. That's all I see when I'm impatient. I, 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 I have a limited perspective. But when I'm patient, I begin to see myself in the other person's shoe. So let me give you an example, right? So here it is. I go line up at one of these fast food places. COVID now, you have to line up outside. Long line. People, some people don't care about social distance and then just want to squeeze up on you because in Jamaica, you know, you can, if, 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 if you stay out here, I'm going to stand up right in front of you because as far as he's concerned, you're not in the line. You know, business about no six feet apart business. The, the space needs to fill up. So when you think you're social distancing, an next man come and him just stand right there. He says, sorry, in front of me. But me never see another line, social distancing. I'm not busy about no social distancing. I, I don't know if you, I'm telling you, people, peep, so you have to like close mark each other or else somebody just going to think like nobody's in the space. So you're out there and you look inside and you see one cashier and everybody, all the other people just walking up and down and talking and having a jolly good time and the one cashier going ting, tong, ping, tong, bang. And they're taking so long and the sun hot and you have on the mask and you're sweating and you're feeling, oh my God, for one little piece of chicken, look what I'm doing. And thing you feel like you need to, <laughs> yeah, I need to just leave this place, but you're really hungry. And you, you start, you start, you see how they were cashier there, they said they lose them job because they're in there, a idler waste time. And look at them, look at them are gone, eh? And you start, we start passing all kinds of things and passing judgment and criticizing. And we begin to tear down. And, and the people out there looking at us, you know, because, you know, them start joining us too. And then believers and, and unbelievers start coming to agreement and start tear down others. What, what if you were to, Put yourself in the cashier's position. So she was trying to cash fast last week. And because she made an error, watch this. She, she made an error and she gave $2,500 change extra to a customer who never returned it. So when she got her salary, which is 5000 for the three days she worked, they took out the 2500 So she went home with 2500 for the week and she had four kids. So she had four kids, so she decided when I come to work, I'm going to go very slow because I don't want to make an next mistake. You realize if you saw it from that perspective, you'll be more patient with her? Yeah. You have to see things. You see, you see that car in front of you? And the person that drives slow and I wall up your time. 
It's probably a person who is 60 who lives on their own. Kids are overseas. They wish they had somebody to drive for them. They can't find anyone, and they need to go and buy their medication. Have you ever thought about that? You say, we're going to come out of the road. Well, an old people on the road are drive for. We never turn on the yard. about that but to see things from others perspective because the root of impatience is selfishness selfishness self-centeredness so I need to get a new perspective on life I need to learn to see things from other people's point of view. Would you like to know the secret of success? Let me give you. If you want to be a successful husband or wife, learn to see life from your partner's point of view. If you want to be a successful parent, learn to see life from your child's point of view. You remember a few weeks ago I shared with you about the student who told the mother and the father in a letter that she was pregnant and she getting married and all of that. And she said she wanted them, in, in, you know, the real thing she wanted to tell him is that she failed in her math exam. She got a D and a F. But she wanted to let them know, listen, if I got pregnant and, and was getting married and moving out to live with this person who you have never met in all your life and I'm just 18, that would be very bad. So don't bother complaining about the D and the F that I got. Perspective. If you want to be a successful business person, learn to see life from your customer's point of view. If you want to be a successful employer, learn to see life from your employee's point of view. Look at the situation from the other's perspective and discover why that person feels as he or she does. Right? And so this does not mean that you have to agree with them, but it sure helps to understand them. I don't agree with some of this stuff, but I understand that people have stuff going on in their life. See things from other people's perspective. Now look at what the writer of Proverbs says. He says, acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. You see, one way to acquire wisdom and understanding is to see things in life from God's point of view. So, so you not only see things from others' point of view, our perspective, you need to begin to see things from God's point of view. Getting God's perspective on a situation. All right? And if you get God's perspective, you'll become patient. Now, now I'm going to talk to the single ladies and the single men in the church, right? So you want to get married? Get things from God's perspective. God sees all your shortcomings and know that you're not ready for marriage yet. And you think like, okay, but how them other people they married and for them marriage now work? Me know I'm going to do better. Me know my marriage. Well, after after I don't know more about marriage than me and relationship, I would do so much better. Listen, see it from this perspective. Let me give you a good perspective to see that if you're single. Those people are not as special as you. You are super, super special. So your spouse take long to work on. I mean, I mean, you're so special that that like my wife took five years. Your wife probably going to take twenty because you're a, you're special and unique. You understand me? So God is taking a little bit more time to work on your own. So see it like that. Just, just begin to say, boy, I mean, I must be special because if them the idiot there, 
get married, I mean, okay, God must have something. I mean, great and perfect for me. See it from that perspective. Don't see like, oh, poor me. Look what, no, 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 no. It's perspective. You know, you know, there are some persons who have to work it out two times to get it right. God wants you to go through it once and get it right. Begin to get God's point of view. Amen? So, so from God's per- perspective, I gain three important insights. Three things. One, I am only human. I am not God. Number two, no one is perfect. Not even me. Number three, God is in control. And he uses every situation to make me better. In fact, the Bible says, man's steps are ordered by the Lord. This means you may experience some divine delays and some heavenly interruptions. Sometimes God will put irritating people around you for the purpose of teaching you something. So get a new perspective. Look at it from God's point of view. Because patience is a mark of maturity. And most children are very impatient. But maturity involves the ability to wait. A person of understanding and wisdom can be patient. So we need to discover a new perspective. Get wisdom and get understanding. Because when you do, you become more patient. When you understand the reason, when you understand God's heart, then you are patient. Second, if you want to be more patient, you have to acquire a sense of humor. And I put it to you because some of you can't laugh, you know, especially meals. You know. That's why men, men get old fast, you know. Because they screw up them face too much. Especially the fake bad man them. You have face bad man and you have real bad man. You, know? you have the face bad man them, them get old fast. Because it's them face alone bad. They, they, they don't smile. They, don't, they come out church and they don't hey, smile with man. <laughs> hey. hey, lucky you. So, like, when people, what is the age? And them tell people, they say, like, really? <laughs> like, like, have you ever told, like, have you ever asked them the age? And they tell them, they say, really? Because you, you, you probably thought they were, like, 50? And they say, no, man, you know, say, next, but me at 30. <laughs> you think, like, and you look like that, basically. You, 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 you look like that. You don't learn to laugh, man. Learn to laugh at your circumstances. Learn to laugh at yourself. Learn to have joy in every situation. Listen, listen. I am, I, I am fun by myself. Listen, I'm looking for my glasses and washing my face, and it's on it. That's fun. Laugh at my, like, where's my glasses? Learn to laugh at your circumstances. Why? Because if you don't laugh, you're going to worry. And remember, worry is the worst emotions ever. There's no benefit to worry. Laugh. The Bible says, listen, the Bible says, a joyful heart makes a cheerful face. Listen, I can tell if your heart is happy by looking at your face. 
your messed up heart is clearly seen on your face. So I don't I like, 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 let me talk to some of the young, we don't have a young ladies, but we talk to the young ladies. I can't understand how you'd want to date a man who has screwed up in face. Something is wrong with his heart. Obviously, if he looks so angry on the face, his heart can't be right. No matter how much money he have. He's going to beat you. The heart, the, listen, your face don't lie. Because you can't wear the mask forever. Your heart is going to be revealed by your face. Why do you think when you come to church, we, we, the scripture says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the land, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. When you come to church, don't look like a lime soap and lime juice you use to deal with your face. Don't look like your face squeezing you. Don't look like it's hurting you, like you have toothache or, or something. God don't like ugly. <laughs> Amen. Proverbs seventeen twenty two says, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bone. In fact, scientific study shows that people who laugh live longer. Humor is a tension dissolver. It's an antidote to anxiety. It is a tranquilizer without any troublesome side effects. Laughter is life shock absorber. So I tell you have to laugh. So learn to laugh. If you can laugh at it, you can live with it. And besides, if you learn to laugh at your troubles, you will never run out of anything to laugh at. Because you're going to always have those. Amen? Number three. The third step in becoming a more patient person is to deepen your love. Deepen your love. First Corinthians 3 verse 4 is probably one of the most straightforward verses in the Bible. It says, love is patient. Come on, say that with me. Love is patient. Alright, so let's do it the opposite way. This means that when I am impatient, I am being unloving. If love is patient then to be impatient is to be unloving. Impatient per people are unloving people. And that is why when you were going to youth ministry, a youth pastor used to say, if he says he wants to sleep with you first and he can't wait, he doesn't love you. Because love is patient. Any person who cannot wait until married, marriage to sleep with you, guess what? Don't love you. It's not real love. It's fake. I don't matter what else them do in the world and the sweet and fancy word. Because love is patient. There's no genuine love that is impatient. Alright. Moving right along. When you love someone, you care about that person's needs, desires, hurts, and point of view. Not just your own. It means that you respect and value their opinion. When you are filled with love, 
Almost nothing can provoke you to anger or cause you to be impatient. When you're filled with anger, almost anything can provoke you. When you're under pressure, whatever is inside you is going to come out. So deepen your love. Ephesians 4, 1 to 2 says, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Showing tolerance for one another in love. That's how we operate. We show tolerance for one another. I know they are annoying. I know all the bad stuff you can say. But because we are believers, we act in gentleness and patience and humility. And we show tolerance for one another in love. Why? How? Why should I be patient with others? You know why? Because the Lord commands you to love people. And to love people is to be patient with people. And God is not asking you to do something that he is not doing for you. God is patient towards you. And if you want God to not be patient towards you, then stop being patient towards people. Because you will receive mercy as you show mercy. To the merciful, God is merciful. Well, how long? How, how long must I be patient with them? You know how many years may I have put up with this? How many years has God put up with you? Come on, talk to me. Here's, here's, here is, here's, let me give you an next word. Here is the length of your put up ability. Now me, in other words, your ability to put up with people. The years of that is the years that God has put up with you. I want you to know that even today God is still putting up with me. Because people put me out, but God is still putting up with me. Therefore, I need to put up with people. I need to be patient because God is giving me time to come into maturity. So I must give people time to come into maturity. Amen? Finally, depend on the Lord. The final step in developing patience is to depend on the Lord. If you're going to be patient, trust me, you need Jesus. Because some of them are people, boy. You need Jesus. In fact, there are some people who will change, some people who can change, and there are some people who non change. We need Jesus. We need, listen, there are some people that if you don't have Jesus on your mind, in your mind, in your heart, in your mouth, all over you, and the spirit keeping you alive, your life going to be messed up, and you're going to mess them up. You need Jesus. Some people you need Jesus to deal with. Some people are easy to get along with, but there are some people you need a whole lot of Jesus in you to deal with them. I know because there's somebody who thinks like they need a whole lot of Jesus to deal with you and me. So we have to depend on the Lord. 
Why? Because patience is not merely a matter of human willpower. It is the fruit of the spirit. You cannot just psych yourself up and say, I'm going to be patient today, even if it kills me. I'm going to be patient. I, I choose to be patient today. No, 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 no. You need the Holy Spirit. You can't talk yourself into being patient. It is a fruit of the spirit. Therefore, the spirit must be working in your life. If the spirit is not working in your life, you will not be able to walk in patience. You will walk in impatience. You need the spirit to be working. You cannot operate in patience without the Holy Spirit flooding, filling, and running all over your life every moment of every day. Because people are just difficult to deal with. Jesus did everything possible and the people around him were still difficult. You know who? Judas, Peter, Thomas, you check. Jesus did nothing wrong. He did everything. He loved them. He, he gave them authority. He, he gave them the power of the spirit to do stuff. He did miracles with them. He taught them. He, he, he gave his life. Listen, and they still had problems with him. He did everything and Judas still sold him out. Peter still denied him. Thomas still doubted him. And I deserted him. So what's the point? People will be people. And with all these kind of people around us, we are going to need Jesus. And this is not a willpower thing. Patience is not saying he doesn't really irritate me. It's knowing that they irritate you and still love them. And you're still patient with them. When deep inside you, you're really thinking, I hate this person. Patience is not wearing a mask and pretending. If it is God's patience you feel, if it is the genuine fruit of the Spirit, if it is the fruit of the Spirit, you will have a genuine inner peace. Certain situations won't bother you the way they used to. Why? Because you're depending on the Lord. But as we close, I want to understand also that patience is a form of faith. Patience is a form of faith. One of the outworkings of faith is being patient. Is waiting. It says, I trust God. I believe that God is bigger than this problem. I believe that God has his hand in these irritations and can use them in my life for good. You see, faith helps us look at life from God's point of view. The scripture says we walk by faith and not by sight. And when we walk by faith, we are beginning to see things in the spirit. Spirit, according to how God ordained and how God is orchestrating them. And so when you begin to see things that way, we become more patient because you're seeing what God is doing. Imagine with me, if you saw everything that God is about to do, you could wait. If you saw clearly that God wanted you to have a house in 10 years' time, you would not build a house where you build, where you build it right now. If you, knew. Yeah, you understand what I mean? If you saw down the road the marriage and all of those stuff that God had for you, if you saw the good wife and the good husband that God has down the road for you, no, you wouldn't date some people right now. Amen? So what that means is that when you begin to have faith and see things from God's perspective by faith, Patience develops in your life. Faith helps us say, God, what do you want me to learn in this situation? Instead of asking why this happened. Because of faith, we no longer need to ask God, why did I get a flat tire? Instead, we can ask God, what do you want me to learn in this situation? That's faith. Faith says, what do you want me to learn? Like what you're going through right now, the question is not why this is happening to me. 
the question is, God, what are you teaching me? You have to have faith. You have to have faith. So, so how many of you would love to have Noah's kind of faith? Come on, just lift your hands with me. I want to see the Noah kind of faith. When you hear about Noah, just, just, he, it had not rained and he built an ark. Hallelujah. I have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Hallelujah. All right, put your hands down because when I ask you the next question, why don't I put your hand down? Up. Watch this. If you want Noah's kind of faith, you're going to have to have Noah's kind of weight. All right? Let me say that again. If you want Noah's kind of faith, you'll have to have Noah's kind of weight. How long did Noah wait? Doing the same thing for 120 years. How many of you want Noah's kind of faith? <laughs> Careful now, because to have Noah's kind of faith, you have to be building the same thing for 120 years. When people call you an idiot and say, you know, see, be a sunshine, what really are you talking about? You keep building. You understand me? When you don't know anything about architecture and all of those things and construction, you're still building. 120 years. When six years pass and you get old and you can't carry board anymore and you have your son them doing it, you're still building. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? When, when you, you, you thought it was going to be near 70 and nothing don't happen in year 70. You keep building. Listen, that's no, if, if you want no kinds of, kind of faith, you have to be able to have no kind of weight. Or some of you, some of you are not putting back up your hand. All right, what about, what, let me give you an easy one. What about Abraham? How many of you? Um, Abraham is a father of faith. Amen? Abraham believed and it was accounted to him for righteousness. How many of you want Abraham kinds of faith? All right, a few hands right now. Well, if you want Abraham kind of faith, you will have to have Abraham's kind of weight. How long did Abraham wait? 100 years. So if you don't have a child yet, and you want Abraham kind of faith, you have to say, Lord, 100 years. And I'll still be waiting on you, Lord. Uh, Pastor, that one is too long. Give me something shorter to work with. <laughs> Give me something more realistic. All right? What about, so we have 120, negative. 100, negative. What about Moses? Moses waited for 40 years in the desert. And then he spent 40 years more leading the children of Israel across the desert to the promised land. If you want Moses' kind of faith, you have to have Moses' kind of weight. Not 100 years, not 120, just 80. A little less. <laughs> in fact, everyone in the Old Testament was waiting for the Messiah to come. Right? Or you want to be someone else in the Old Testament. You know what happened? All of them died and didn't see. Uh, maybe. <laughs> so, you understand? But they still had faith. Though they didn't see. But, but let's come to the New Testament. The disciples had to wait in the upper room for the Holy Spirit by faith. You see, the Bible is a book of waiting. Why? Because waiting demonstrates faith and faith pleases God. See, the hardest kind of waiting happens when you are in a hurry and God is not. Listen, I'm not God, but I feel like this sometimes. Like, one of the struggles like I have with my wife is walking together anywhere. Because 
always tell her, it's road, I don't tarry upon road. I know where I'm going, what I want. See, so if I leave the office and you're walking with me, I am briskly because I know where I'm going, what I'm, and I'm back. I, I don't have no time to be strolling. <laughs> I'm not into sightseeing on road. I, right? The hardest time for us to kind of function is when I'm in a hurry and she's not. And I think sometimes it happens with us and God. Like, like, like we, we, we need to get there quickly. And God, and God, is, God, God is still at one day at a time. <laughs> yeah, Jesus is one day. You understand? We, we, are at, we are at 5 o'clock on Wednesday. And Jesus is just starting out Monday morning. One day at a time. One step each day. Right? So when we are at Wednesday, Jesus just made the Monday step. The next step, will be Tuesday. But watch this. It's hard to be patient when you're waiting for an answer to prayer or you're waiting for a miracle. It's hard when you're in a hurry and God isn't. But waiting patiently is an evidence of faith. It is also a test of faith. How long can you wait? See, church, understand this, that God is never late. His time His timing is perfect. He may not move according to our schedule, but he's always on time. And he wants us to trust him and wait on him. So the psalmist puts it this way. He says, rest in the Lord and patiently wait for him. Earlier in that same Psalm 37, it says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. See, twice in these verses we are told to trust, to dwell, to delight, to commit. These are all aspects of faith. God longs for us to trust him more than anything else. He said, patience is evidence of our faith in him. So put your faith in him. Why should we be patient? Because God is patient and we are to be like him. See, Peter says it this way in 2 Peter 3 verse 9. He says, the Lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God is patient. So we should be patient. As I close this morning, I want you to, to stand with me. The promise of the Lord still stands. The songwriter says, Your promise still stands, and great is your faithfulness. At the end of that word, it says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He will do it. It says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. Come on, just stand with me and lift your hands and just begin to declare, he will do it. The scripture says he will do it, church. He did it before, he will do it again. He did it for Noah. He did it for Job. He did it for Moses. 
He did it for Abraham. He will do it again. He did it for Ruth and for Esther. He will do it again. He did it for Mary. Did it for Joseph. He will do it again. He did it for Paul. He did it for Peter. He will do it again. God will do it for you. Wait on the Lord. Be patient. Trust in God's timing. So with your hands lifted this morning. I want you to just repeat this. This is the same Psalm 37. Just repeat after me. Just say, I will trust in the Lord. And do good. I will dwell in the land. And cultivate faithfulness. I will delight myself in the Lord. And he will give me the desires of my heart. I will commit my way to the Lord. I will trust in him. And he will do it. Very simple prayer, but it's so potent. And so right now, just begin to say, Lord, I thank you that you will do it for me. Begin to give him thanks that he will do it. Whatever it is that you have been waiting on and you have been praying about and maybe 10 years have passed and nothing has changed. Maybe 20 years has passed and nothing has changed. Maybe it's 10 days, it's 5 days. Just maybe God is working on your stewardship. And that is why you're having the interruptions and the inconveniences. I don't know what God is doing. But one thing I know that God is going to do is that he will do it. He will do it. Trust in him. His promise still stands. His faithfulness is great. He did it before, so he will do it again. Come on, just say that. Just say, I will rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Come on, just say, I will rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Come on, one more time. I'll rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Hallelujah. With your hands lifted, walking around these walls. Walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me Hallelujah, come on, let's sing and worship him this morning Waiting for change to come. Job says, All days of my struggle, I will wait until my change comes. He has never failed me yet. For you have never failed me. Come on, just declare your promise still stand, Lord. After 10 years. 20 years, his promise still stands. Hallelujah. Your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me. Thank 
I know the night won't last. Do you believe that the night won't last? Your word will come. His word is going to come to pass. Yes, Lord. My heart will sing your praise again. Jesus, you're still enough to keep me within your love. My heart will sing your praise with confidence and assurance and faith in God just lift your voices and just sing out to him this morning your promise still stands yes Lord yes Lord Hallelujah. So Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that we will patiently wait on the Lord. Even when years have passed, we will remember that your promise stands and that your word will come to pass. We saw what you did with the flood of nowadays. We saw what you did when the children of Israel came to the Red Sea and the River Jordan. We saw what you did in Calvary. We have seen the Jericho walls fall to the ground. And so we believe you can do it again. For nothing is impossible with you. Nothing is too difficult for you. So our full confidence and faith is in you and you alone. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name.